Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I am doing so well today, Tim. I'm very excited about this conversation that we had a little while ago with two wonderful women who, honestly, Tim, we should have on the show more often. There's a great rapport that we have with these two, and we need more of both moms and mysteries in our lives. (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Mandy and Melissa of Moms and Mysteries join us for this conversation, and uh, and they are a lot of fun to talk to, and they've covered this case before. Today we're talking about the disappearance of Brian Vladek Hassel from East Orlando, Florida, and he's been missing since November 6th, 2021. And before CrimeCon this past year, we had connected with Bethany, Brian's sister, on social media, and she had asked us to go find the Moms and Mysteries table and help display some missing posters on our table. So that is, uh, in fact, what we did at CrimeCon this past year, but uh, we thought it only, uh, only right to cover the case. And we know that Mandy and Melissa covered the case, and so we wanted to have them on to discuss... But when I asked Bethany if she wanted to come on to have an interview with us, she actually politely declined and cited the time of year being the holidays and being especially tough for her in dealing with her brother's disappearance. Instead of joining us for an interview, Bethany sent us some research that had been written and fact-checked by the family. And so this research was written by Satori Good and Haley Gray with assistance from Whitney St. Andre from Navigating Advocacy, who we we know her and uh, Melissa very well over there. So big thanks to everybody who worked on this research. We really appreciate it. And we're happy to spread the word for Bethany and her family. And if anybody has any information on Brian Vladek Hassel's whereabouts, they are instructed to contact the Orange County Sheriff's Office at 407-254-7000. And before we get to this wonderful conversation with the Moms and Mysteries team, we have to break for a commercial and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Melissa and Mandy of Moms and Mysteries. How the heck are you today? We're heckin' good. How the heck are you? (laughs) We're feeling pretty good over here. When we fired this up before we hit record, we had a really 
I guess, honest moment where Melissa was on. Mandy was a couple minutes late, but we're not judging her for that. But <laughs> Melissa was on and we had said, because it had been a long time. We said, hey, it's been a long time. And without missing a beat, she said, not long enough. <laughs> yeah yeah so that's what happens when mandy's late <laughs> yes well we did finally get to meet you in person and uh speak in person uh at CrimeCon recently in 2023 that was a good time quite a whirlwind uh of an event obviously yeah for sure i i really enjoyed we've talked about this several times since then i really enjoyed CrimeCon this year i thought they did a really great job including um, victims' families, putting those up at the forefront. Um, I don't know. It just it felt different to me than we hadn't gone for several years, but I really, I feel like they kind of nailed it this year. Yeah. And I feel like every year they add that additional element that mm-hmm. you look at and you say, oh my goodness, how did they, how did it get to the, like, it's such an obvious thing. Like, the the award the clue awards yeah. uh, the, those were added a couple of years ago so this is the second one um we didn't see you guys there tim and i were there because we were nominated but Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of ways you could have said that but you chose that one you chose violence today <laughs> no i'm kidding but uh the way crime con is organized is all geared towards survivors and the family members and the people who are the subject matter of these stories that we tell. And every year there's something new. Was there a highlight this year for you guys? I think one of the big highlights was just the turnout and seeing um, all the families that were out there. Like Melissa said, it it did feel a little bit more victim-centered this year. It felt like they had a lot more. Um, it was a little less gimmicky than I feel like it has been in the past. So I feel like they're going in like a really good direction with making it more about the victims and the families and connecting them with people and um, you know different communities that could possibly help them. Um, we were able to get in touch with a lot of people actually who came up to us and kind of told us about their story and things they were trying to accomplish and within the cases that they were involved in. And it was just really, really humbling to be among all of them, uh, truly. Like that was probably the highlight for me was just getting to meet everybody that was there. Yeah, I agree. And we'll get to the subject of the story that we're talking about today. But uh, I think hearing that and then seeing the attendance is really inspirational because the more they go towards that victim-centric, survivor-centric, family-centric advocacy, it's not hurting ticket sales. Yeah. I mean, there's thousands of people going to this thing still. It's 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 driving it, which is really, really inspirational. Totally. I felt like there was, like Mandy was saying, much less of the gimmicky stuff. Even the people that showed up, you would see some still like what I would say like is kind of crossing the line with some of the t-shirts and stuff. Um, I know people are it's, you know, it's just a way people cope listening to true crime, uh, you know, consuming it. So that's still kind of like a weird area for some people. But in general, I thought people were super respectful. And for the victims, families feel so like, that's what we heard from um, Bethany Hassel, that she felt so welcomed and uh, so that people cared about her, cared about her family, and she just seemed overwhelmed. And I feel like that was kind of the best uh, response that she could have had. Yeah, we love it when um, when we meet people there who are looking for coverage. 
Um, I did not get to meet Bethany. Was she actually in attendance at CrimeCon? She was. Um, we wow. got okay. hooked up, up with her uh, through Laura Norton with the fall line. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, you know, Bethany's going to be there. She's from your area. You guys need to meet. And so we had kind of planned to meet up. I don't know if she, how much she was attending, but she was there. Okay. Wow. Yeah. We had had some messages with her on Instagram, I think before that, but yeah, we didn't get to meet her um, there. I think Bethany and uh, anyone who, who goes to CrimeCon to spread the word about their missing loved one or murdered yeah. loved one, I, th- I just think that's such a, a bold and brave move. And I have nothing but respect for people who do that. Totally agree. I was glad to see that and other people that were there doing the same thing and you know looking for answers. And it was kind of, it was just a great way to meet these people and be able to share their stories. Yeah. And one more thing about that before we move on is there have been so many more people every year coming up to the tables with the flyers for their family members because now this network is growing and they're talking to each other and Mm -hmm. we're talking about them. And that's bringing somebody else who maybe had never heard of CrimeCon, putting a, a light on that. And then they're thinking, what am I doing next September? What am I doing next May? How, how much is it out of my pocket to go do this? And is it worth it? And they're think and they know it's worth it. You know, yeah. they, they, they attend. I always imagine it from the perspective of the person who's working in the hotel or convention center, like FedEx or UPS office, because inevitably you're going to get a bunch of people in there asking for more printouts of this flyer. Oh, yeah. So, like, imagine it from that person's perspective, because every year it gets more and more, and they always run out of flyers, and mm-hmm. they're always going in to do a quick, like, 200 print off of a flyer. So every year someone's there looking at these flyers, and who knows? Maybe maybe that person takes a couple flyers. You know, so yeah. it just it just trickles down from every level of organizing this event. Yeah. You can cut this if you want, but I would really like to maybe talk to you guys offline um, about maybe all of us sponsoring a family to go or something, raising money or, you know, whoever you think, because there are some families that would like to go that maybe can't afford it. And I would love to be able to like, that to me seems like a way to help. I don't know. I know it's an expensive um, thing for people to do. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And I I don't think we should cut that. I think that should stay. And I think if any of our peers want to in on this, we could maybe make this a bigger thing down the road. That's cool. Awesome. I think we should cut that. (laughs) <laughs> just because it was Melissa's idea yeah Actually, now that I'm thinking about it I think families of missing people should sponsor us to go oh, to crack cut that that's what you cut <laughs> just cut him completely save that when we want to be canceled <laughs> okay that's fair they owe us <laughs> oh boy uh, okay so uh yeah so we were talking a little bit about Bethany, who is the sister of Brian Vladek Hassel, who is missing from East Orlando and has been since November of 2021. How familiar are you both with this story? After meeting Bethany, I feel like we're pretty familiar, but Mandy and I, when we learned about this, we had no idea. This is literally in our backyard. My husband works about 10 minutes from where this took place and for it to have happened so close to us and us to have never heard a word, it really surprised us and just makes you wonder how much more is out there that we just don't hear about. Yeah, that's a great point. I find that that's always the case, that there are more um, missing people in even the area I live in uh, than I realized. And, you know, you just don't come across it all the time. Yeah. 
kind of wild, right? Because we live in an age where you can get information at like, you know, two presses of your of your thumbs on your on your phone. Like back in the day, when without that information flow that was readily available, I mean, how many stories don't we know about that happened in the eighties and nineties and even you know before that? But yeah, not to not to go down that road, but I just think like, how wild is it that there are so many out there and a new one comes up? Like it's our jobs to talk about these, and a new one comes up and we're like. It was just, if there was anything out there, it was kind of buried in a bunch of other news. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go through this story of missing Brian Vladek Hessel. Um, But if you have any information on his whereabouts, please contact the Orange County Sheriff's Office Missing Persons Unit at 407-254-7000 or call 911. And uh, you can find more information about Brian's disappearance online on social media actually they use the hashtag find vladek and that's v-l-a-d-e-k and so they've got a facebook and an instagram as well so they're very active on social media so vladek was born on december 20th 1998 in russia and his friends and family call him vlad and he actually lived at an orphanage in Moscow along with his sister Irina until the two of them were adopted in 2004 by Florida family Steve and Cheryl Hassel. And it's a big family. There are eight siblings in total, but ranging in ages. And the older three siblings, Amy, Carrie, and Jody, were no longer living at home. It was just Jonathan, Bethany, and Kristen living at home. Jonathan started college a couple months later, and Vladek and Irina grew up with Bethany and Kristen. So there was a close connection there between Vlad and Bethany. And Vladek, who was also given the name Brian and Irina, grew up in Inverness, Florida. And there was a Russian woman and daughter around Irina's age that lived in Inverness as well and helped the Hassel family before and after the adoption. Before the adoption, Steve, Cheryl, Bethany, and Kristen would go to their house and be able to speak with Irina over the phone with the help of her translating. After the adoption, they were able to go over to the house often so Vlad and Irina could hang out with her daughter and be able to speak the Russian language while getting their help with learning English. So it sounds like a very convenient relationship, a very productive relationship. They picked up English very quickly. Actually, Vlad no longer remembers how to speak Russian and doesn't even have a Russian accent. Before he disappeared, Vlad mentioned to Carrie's partner that he had an interest in visiting Russia again at some point, but he had no personal connection with anyone there since it was a closed adoption. Vlad would have actually not been able to visit Russia at all since he disappeared because his passport was expired and law enforcement said he'd get flagged if he tried to get another passport. And Vlad was a bit of a busybody growing up. He was always playing sports, soccer, t-ball, basketball, and he even played peewee football at one point. And Christmas was his favorite holiday, which um, makes a little more sense uh, now to me after having uh, reached out to Bethany for an interview um, around that time. And she said it was just too difficult uh, of a time of year, um, which I totally understand. And apparently one time uh, Bethany recalled a year where Vlad let her put Christmas lights all around him and then put the angel uh, for the top of the tree on the top of his head instead. And uh, sounds like a real, a real fun memory of them spending Christmas together and uh, how sort of how funny Vlad is. Well, funny and friendly too. According to his sisters, he is the friendliest person you'll ever meet. And I love this part about him 
he's constantly starting conversations with strangers. And they say anybody within a few feet of him, if you make eye contact, he's going to start a conversation just to hear more about your story. And if there's a way that he can help in any way, he will try to. I think that's so wonderful. I have always wanted to kind of be that person. You know what I mean? Like that person who isn't afraid to just start a conversation with somebody because who knows what that person's story is and how that's going to be a part of your life maybe you know, later on. It's that ultimate curiosity. Yeah, and as a teenager, Vlad would hang out with his sister and her friends, and they would even let him tag along on New Year's lock-ins at their house, which uh, sounds much safer than uh, going out on New Year's. So these were some of Vlad's favorite childhood memories, and he really enjoyed those gatherings. And during middle school, Vlad's parents were going through a separation, and this is when Vlad lived with his dad, Steve, in Clermont. And this lasted through high school for him. And this is Claremont, Florida? Yeah. it's Is it north of Orlando, Mandy? It's a little north. I've always been confused on exactly where Claremont is. I feel like I should know, but for some reason, I always thought it was close to Kissimmee. And I guess I'm wrong. No, I- no that's St. Cloud. Don't ask me. I have no idea. It's about within an hour of where we both live. That's <laughs> what we can give you. So I think this is really impressive in telling about Vladik. His lifelong dream was to serve in the Marines. And coming from another country, especially coming from Russia over to the United States, wanting to serve in the Marines, which is one of the highest ranking levels of the armed services, the military that you can want to be a part of here. From a young age, he wanted to do this. After graduating high school, he went to live with his sister, Carrie, in Texas in June of 2017 so he could qualify to enlist in the California boot camp for the Marines instead of having to be based in South Carolina. So he thought this through. Oh, yeah. This was his plan. This is what he wanted. Yeah, it's really admirable and um, something to something to really uh, look up to him for. So he stayed with his sister Carrie while she was single and expecting her first child. And he was apparently a, a huge support through her pregnancy and was with her when she gave birth to her daughter. And he spent the entire week in the hospital with her. And around that time, while in Arlington, he worked as a games attendant at Six Flags, security for Cowboy Stadium, and for a garage door warehouse company. I don't know what you all thought about these jobs, but when I read games attendant at Six Flags, security for the Cowboys, the football team at their stadium, how old was he? This is after high school? This is late teens, early 20s? Like, How cool of a job is that? You're You're working... At Six Flags, you're working security at the Cowboys games. Like, that's pretty cool. Totally. That's like the dream job to have at, you know, like when you're first starting out, especially. Yeah, especially in that environment in Mm -hmm. Arlington, Texas. Yeah. Yeah, football, very big deal down there. And um, so in September of 2018, Vlad moved from Texas to San Diego, California to complete basic training. And he graduated from boot camp in December of 2018. So again, more uh, more admirable behavior here. Um, but while he was in the Marines, he served a desk job for about eight months. And that wasn't the kind of job that he wanted to do while in the Marines. And he really didn't like it. And so eventually in the summer of 2019, he found a way to leave. He told the Marines he was having trouble adapting to the routine because it brought up negative memories from his childhood in Russia at the orphanage. And he was given a general discharge under honorable conditions with the words, quote, failure to adapt, 
end quote, written on the paperwork. And he went home to stay with his dad, Steve, and Steve's new wife in Winter Springs, Florida, for a few months after that. Now, I don't have any direct relationships with people who are in the military or formerly in the military. So, I don't know, between the the two of you, Melissa and Mandy, do you know anybody who is in the military or former military who would know if there's always the option to be discharged under honorable conditions with the words failure to adapt? Is it because like there's no war that's currently happening at the time? It just really was a revelation to me to see that the military would do that. This sounds like a question for an actual expert. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've heard of people, I've heard the failure to adapt in the military, but um, it, it does make sense if he's like having a hard time based on how he was in the orphanage for a few years. Like there's obviously stuff and trauma that could come from that. But yeah, I mean, and for it to have been his dream and then for him to now want to leave, like it had to be pretty bad. Also, I think we're probably just spoiled by what we see or misinformed, obviously, by what we see on television and movies about the Marines and the military in general. My first instinct or my first gut reaction, if someone like Vlad were to say, I need to leave here because of these reoccurring memories, these negative memories, and I can't adapt, what we've seen in in movies and television is that this hardcore drill sergeant is like, you know, profanity-laced you know, belittling of this person to get them back in line. So I feel like a lot of that confusion on my part comes from all that misinformation out there. I like to think, I like to give credit and think that if somebody is truly struggling to kind of adjust into that lifestyle and that routine, that I would like to hope that our military would not force them to stay in that position just for their own mental health, because that obviously could go south very quickly. So I like to hope it's not the way it is in the movies. Um, It seems from this story that, you know, at least they had a little compassion, you know, were willing to give him the honorable discharge that he was requesting. And uh, yeah, I just, I'm going to go on the positive and say, I think that that's probably more common than maybe than what we hear about. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And and so this was after basic training, too. This was when he was uh, sort of stationed at a, at a desk job. So I don't think you're, you know, it's the same kind of uh, strict um, attitudes coming at you when you're uh, working a desk job. But after being discharged from the Marines, Vlad really struggled to find what he wanted to do next since the Marines had always been his goal. So... In January of 2020, he moved to Detroit, Michigan to live with his sister Carrie again. And at that point, he worked as an environmental services tech at a local hospital and loved hanging out with his niece. And Vlad was very loving, supportive, and a present uncle. And here's when we bring COVID-19 into the picture. And we've been having these stories lately about people's mental health breaking down, this being the trigger to anybody who might have been on the edge. And in March of 2020, which is like a notorious month now, month and year, COVID-19 hit, daycares were closed. Carrie was a single mother and had to take a leave of absence to take care of her child. This is like the most typical story that you hear out there of middle-income families in the United States during this time. It's tough. Uh, Vlad financially supported all of them for a little while. And later they moved to Nashua, New Hampshire, which is a lovely small city. Often 
nominated and voted for as like the the one of the best cities to live in in the country. Uh, Vlad did not like his new job there, unfortunately, and was eventually let go. And now it's sort of spiraling, right? He's lacking motivation to get another job. And he moves back to Orlando, Florida to live with Steve and Steve's wife once again in August of 2020. Yeah, so that's a lot of traveling, a lot of moving around in a very short period of time. That's three major moves across the country, basically, in uh, in like eight months. And during a time when people weren't moving. So you're moving around with some mental health issues happening, and you're looking at areas like their wastelands. That is that That has to resonate. That has to set in with you more than just the uncertainty of your life in the first place had there not been a pandemic. And yeah, as you as you mentioned, Vlad really struggled with his mental health during this time. And Steve said in an interview with WESH News, quote, I think he just got confused about what his life was headed toward because he hadn't been able to get a job and he was just depressed, end quote. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Listen to the 48 Hours podcast for shocking murder cases and compelling real-life dramas from one of television's most watched true crime shows. Go behind the scenes of each episode with award-winning CBS News correspondents and producers in Postmortem, a weekly deep dive. Listen to 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. And so there was some disagreements, I think, at home. It seems like Steve's wife was a little frustrated that he didn't have a job. And Steve and his wife actually eventually split. And Steve and Vlad stayed in hotels until they found an apartment. So in November of 2020, they moved into the place at Alafaya, which is an apartment complex in Orlando, close to the University of Central Florida's campus. And so Vlad was sharing a vehicle with Steve at this point, and Vlad was notoriously sort of bad with directions and didn't use public transportation much, but the family has been told that he did occasionally utilize the UCF free buses, and they would make a stop inside the apartment complex, so apparently he would uh, take advantage of that when he could. But he would typically prefer to walk places if he didn't have access to the car. And he frequented places in Waterford Lakes, Plaza, and University Boulevard near UCF. 
And for whatever reason, I feel like this detail is something that kind of speaks to Vlad's personality. Uh, his family members say that maintenance workers at the apartment complex knew him pretty well. And he liked to walk around a lot at night. And the family has been told that he would go into the woods behind the basketball court of the apartment complex to sing and smoke. And I was saying that about the maintenance workers because, again, it just goes back to what his the description of him was, was if he makes eye contact with somebody, he'll start talking. So we, this obviously happened with the maintenance yeah. workers. And it's nice to think that maybe they enjoyed their interactions and he was making someone else's day a little bit better just by saying hi or like, how are you? His family says he was a very kind, thoughtful person who had a tough history. And he would start, a, again, he would start a conversation with anyone he meets and is well-recognized at the restaurants and businesses that he would frequent. But he was still searching for his purpose. And so while living with Steve, he was not working or enrolled at school. And he didn't really party or date during that time. He did have a couple of friends, especially one friend who worked at a nearby restaurant and texted with Vlad frequently. And Vlad did have social media accounts, but he would rarely post anything on them, if at all. And he mostly used them for their messaging platforms and would message family via Facebook or Instagram messenger. He also liked to play PlayStation and watched YouTube videos. And he was a regular at the Foxtail Coffee Shop on University Boulevard and Collegiate Way near UCF, which is about one mile from his apartment. With Vlad uh, being a visitor of this Foxtail coffee shop, he goes there about three times a week. He spends hours there. It's just a place where he knows people. They know him. Um, he goes by Brian there. He actually doesn't go by Vladic. And he's just somebody, again, that talks to other people. So he is doing that. He's talking to people while he's there and enjoying his coffee. And most people are respondent to this. But some people, you know, it seems a little strange. So people had made some complaints about him at this uh, coffee shop shop but ultimately you know no harm no foul he's he's just being friendly and most people just let it go sometimes he'd play his music and you know employees would ask him to turn it down and he always did he had no problem doing that so according to Facebook and Vladik's missing posters website Steve gives Vladik money to cover his expenses and he actually offers to buy him a scooter at some point he gives Vladik the cash Vladik doesn't use the cash. Uh, his family thinks he probably gave it away. That's just something he liked to do. He was someone who regularly wanted to tip workers $100 up to $300. He just wanted people to know that they were cared about and you know that people were thinking of him. Um, and so everyone knew in his life he's really bad at saving money because um, he would give it away or he would just spend it. But then in early 2021, things seemed to change in Vlad, as um, his sisters described it, as a, uh, a flip switching. And he started rejecting materialism, which was something he hadn't done in the past. Um, for example, he loved brand name clothes and shoes um, and cell phones. But, uh, but starting in 2021, he said these material materials were just a distraction and he gave away his tablet a few months before he went missing he broke his phone told his dad that it was because it was a distraction and he didn't want to get a new phone but steve and irena insisted that he carry at least a flip phone so people would be able to reach him so vlad did agree and got a flip phone with a new number but it could only be used for phone calls and texts and strangely right before vlad broke his phone he had received over 40 calls from a specific number and the number that called him belonged to an unhoused couple who had once taken advantage of Vlad financially in the past. So it's speculated that he 
received his new phone. He no longer kept in contact with a couple. It doesn't seem like they had his new number because at that point they hadn't tried calling him again. So probably a bit of a relief for him to not have this constant harassment from this couple that was taking advantage of him financially. Yeah, that's definitely pretty sad. Um, And Vlad uh, slept on an air mattress, even though Steve offered to buy him a bed, as bedroom was very sparse and minimalistic. And a few weeks before Vlad disappeared, Steve finally convinced him to get a real mattress, and Vlad did end up getting one of those mattresses in a box, but he didn't utilize it or even open the box. One thing Mandy and I were able to do is... uh go to and be a part of the vigil that they had for Vladik at this Catholic church garden um, a couple months ago. And this is a place where Vladik spent a ton of time. So over the course of 2021, though, he was listening to this YouTube pastor and this pastor was putting tons of focus on heaven and just kind of darker things as well, archangels and demons. Um, So the family's still not sure to this day who this pastor is, but they want to know because, you know, it could help them understand really the whole picture of what he was really going through at that time. So he was talking to his family about, you know, heaven. And if we can go to heaven now, why don't we just go to heaven? Which obviously hearing your loved ones saying, why don't we just get out of here now is concerning. And so they, they were really worried at this time about his mental health. Yeah, and like you were saying there, he was talking to his family about why can't we just go to heaven? And I'm fascinated with someone who is going through what Vlad is going through. What was it exactly about that YouTube pastor? Like, I, mm-hmm. I really hope that this person is identified because there was something there that connected with Vlad and was a trigger for him to say, that's the answer. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, it's such a tragic answer for his family. And also in 2021, Vlad started getting really involved in helping out the unhoused community in East Orlando. And this gave him a focus and a purpose. And he would bring them food and get to know them. He'd even take them out to dinners and to the movies. On one occasion, he let them use his credit card. And also around that time in the summer of 21, Vlad started talking about his desire to hike the Appalachian Trail, which we've definitely talked about in covering several missing persons cases. Um sort of a long trail along the East Coast. And Steve and Vlad were considering renting a four-bedroom house with Jody and Bethany in Orlando during this time, and Vlad had made comments about how he didn't need a room. He would just camp outside to get prepped for the Appalachian Trail. So in September, the Hassel family started planning a trip to Tennessee to celebrate Bethany's birthday. Uh, This trip was going to take place in November, by the way. When Vladik and Bethany talked about the Tennessee trip, Vlad made comments about how he would hike the Appalachian Trail and meet them there, which is also kind of a disconcerting thing, especially knowing Vlad's potential emotional state at the time. And Bethany told him if he ended up doing that, he better keep his phone on him so they could all check in. But unfortunately, Vlad was dismissive and said he would be fine. We hear that story so many times. Uh, Bethany told us that hiking the trail always seemed more like a pipe dream. Vlad would often say big things to see people's reactions. She didn't really think he had plans to actually go hiking on that trail in November. And on November 3rd, 2021, Vlad purchased a $60 pocket knife. And when Steve asked why, Vlad said it was for protection. 
And that day, Steve's car broke down at Waterford Lakes Plaza while Vlad was driving it, and Vlad walked back home. But when he made it back to the apartment, he thought Steve would be upset that the car broke down, but instead Steve told Vlad it's an old car and they've got the money to fix it. So they towed it uh, the following morning where it stayed until Steve could pick it up on the 15th. And Steve and Vlad's mom were going on a trip to Tennessee for Bethany's birthday, and Bethany was going to celebrate with a couple of friends and, pa- and her parents. And Vlad was invited, but he opted not to go. So instead, on November 4th, he went to Foxtail, the coffee shop there. And a customer actually made a complaint on that day that uh, Vlad was making him feel uncomfortable. And the person told the employees that he was going to leave. And because of that, they didn't say anything to Vlad. But later, that same customer comes back and tells the Foxtail employees, basically, while I was here earlier and that guy was making me uncomfortable, he actually pulled out his pocket watch and put it, or I'm sorry, his pocket knife and put it on the table. And Foxtail has a very, you know, strict no weapons policy. So right then and there, they decide they're going to issue a trespass warning against Vlad. Keep in mind, Vlad has no idea this is going on. He's already at home or he's at least left Foxtail at this point. Um, So he's unaware that he now has a trespassing warning at this place that he goes to all the time where, you know, he's very friendly with everyone there. So this is going to come as a total shock to him later. Yeah. And on the night of the 4th, Vlad was very hyper-focused on religion, talking to Steve about demons and you have to be dark to kill the dark. I guess that's that's something he said. And Steve didn't think it made much sense. And he wondered if Vlad was quoting something that a pastor on YouTube said. Well, he wasn't making sense at all in Steve's mind, right? So Steve called Jody and told her that Vlad was having some sort of episodes. Jody encouraged Steve to have a wellness check done for Vlad, but Steve said nothing would come from that because Vlad knew what to say in order to not like raise the alarm. And so on the 5th of November, Steve gave Vlad 100 bucks in cash and a credit card before he left um, for this trip. And Steve offered to buy groceries, but Vlad said that there was enough food in the house. Steve further told Vlad that he was expecting a package at the beginning of the week, and he asked Vlad to bring it inside, to which Vlad replied that he would. And when Steve left on that afternoon, he was concerned about Vlad because of what happened the night before. So Steve went ahead and he took this trip to Tennessee. And while he was gone, he did make several attempts to check in with Vlad through text messages and he would leave him voicemails. But over the course of Steve's entire trip, he never heard from Vlad. Vlad never responded to any of this, you know, messages. There wasn't really an immediate sense of concern, um, As we said, Steve's in the mountains. He doesn't know really if his messages are even being sent. I've been in some places like parts of the country where like it looks like you have a signal and you think your messages are going through, but, you know, they might not actually be getting all the way through. So he thought, you know, we'll check up on him whenever we get back to Florida. Also, there was the whole thing about Vlad not really caring much about having a phone on him at all times. Um, He would often go a long time without you know, answering anyone because he simply just didn't have his phone with him. So it wasn't really super duper alarming. His sister, Irina, had also been trying to reach him um, and her calls and texts were also going unanswered. But this was unusual because this was the one person that Vladek talked to almost every single day. She was very, very close with him. 
on November 8th, Steve, his dad, actually got a message that that package that he was waiting for um, had been delivered. And he still hadn't heard from Vladek at this point, but he assumed that he would pick the package up and take it inside just like they had discussed. Steve gets back to Florida a day early. I don't know if this was exactly from concern that he wasn't hearing from Vladek or not. He gets his car around 4 o'clock before finally going home after this big trip. So when he gets to the apartment, the first thing he notices is this package is still sitting outside. And so this is alarming to him because he knows Vladek is responsible. He would have brought this. The one thing he asked him to do, he would have done this, right? And so he notices when he goes in, nothing looks like it's been touched. It really looks exactly like it did when he left. And he sees Vladek you know, doesn't even look like he's been staying there. He sees his flip phone is there with all these unread text messages and missed calls starting back from November 6th onward. He has his gym shoes that are there along with that pocket knife that he had recently purchased. So if he was having that for protection and he wasn't staying at the house, he felt like that was pretty odd. So of course, they're trying not to jump to conclusions. And Steve was like, you know what? I was supposed to get back tomorrow. So let's give it one more day. And Vlad knew I would be here. So let's give it till tomorrow before we make any calls. And he doesn't show up. So that's when the family decides, you know, we need to make a call. He's known for being out late at night. So they decide to give it a little bit more time until later that night. And then Steve and Bethany end up contacting the Orange County Sheriff's Office and file a missing persons report that following morning on November 17th, 2021. Bethany also works um, and creates flyers with Steve's phone number on them so they can get the word out that Vladek was missing. Bethany took this on head on right away. She's very concerned about her brother, loves him, and she's like, his biggest advocate, really. So according to a post that Bethany makes on her Facebook account that same evening, there was a maintenance worker that sees the flyer and leaves Steve a voicemail. And this is where things kind of get a little complicated because this maintenance guy says he spoke to Vladek a few minutes last Friday in this message. So Steve, Vladek's dad, thinks they're talking about November 12th, but now the family believes they're actually talking about the 5th. The family realizes if Vladek really was at the apartment on the 12th, he would have seen this package. He would have literally had to walk over this package to get into the door. So they realize there's no way that that was the right date. One thing about that is Steve doesn't have great hearing. So they realize that maybe there was a miscommunication and misunderstanding there. But obviously, this is all going in real time. So they're giving this information as they have it. And and things change. People remember things differently. But this was kind of a, a thing that, you know, they thought they had a lead, but they might not have really. Well, it's a really good thing that that package is a part of the story, yeah. I feel like, because um, we wouldn't know, we wouldn't have that specific of a date um, of Vlad's disappearance if not for that. He's considered missing, I guess, on the 6th, or at least that was the the last time he was seen on CCTV at the Foxtail Coffee company on University Boulevard on the 6th of November, 2021. When the sheriff's officer asked for Vlad's phone number, Vlad said he had gotten a new phone and didn't know his number. He also didn't have it on him. And again, this wasn't really out of the ordinary for Vlad. And so that was when he was told that he could not go back to the coffee shop. Yeah. And Bethany said how heartbreaking this was because, again, this was like a place he loved. But the real issue was when he gets there, they say, you're trespassing. You know, that's why we're here. But he has no idea why he was called, you know, saying that he was trespassing. He had no idea about this incident, about the knife, that somebody said there was a no weapon. 
None of that. So he goes there thinking this place that's safe for me, that I'm friends with people, that I'm friendly. They don't want me here. And so this, their family really feels like is a huge rejection for him. And he's already in this fragile state. So to hear this is like one more thing to push him over. And that's where the family really thinks that could have been, you know, the beginning of of him really leaving. Mm. That's really sad. He's holding a cup of coffee in in the photo on the missing flyer too. It it seems like he was actually he might have been served by Foxtail before he was uh, kicked out and they called the cops on him. So that that is confusing. Um, and in the body cam footage, Vlad's wearing a black hoodie over a gray shirt, and there's a necklace. And he was also wearing khaki shorts, crew length black socks, and bright red shoes. And unfortunately, the sheriff's office didn't tell the family about this footage until February of 2022. That's one thing that's very frustrating in this case that everything, and I feel like this happens a lot in missing person cases, where you're just not getting the information as it's happening or, you know, even close. So once his family hears about this, they want to go back and talk to the people that were there that day. Well, three months out of a coffee shop, how are you even going to really find schedules and stuff? There's, you know... Who remembers where they were three months ago? It's very, it's very tricky. And so, but they just said so much about this footage that it was just, they could see his heartbreaking. They could see him trying to be friendly with the officers and act like it's fine, but they knew this was just devastating for him. And so, as you were saying, that he was seen in that outfit and those red slides. That's something else that becomes very important because. It took three months to get this footage. Police end up finding a red slide in the woods. They, you know, tell the family about it and they say, well, that's the kind of shoes he wears, but we don't remember if he had a red pair of those. Well, three months later, they get this video showing him wearing red slides that are very similar. So had they known that before, who knows if police would have pushed further to continue searching in the woods. Um, They're sending drones, they're sending people through there, but they can only go so far. But had they known, this was his shoe, would they have gone further? Could more have been done that day? But, you know, you can only do with the information that you have. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. No matter how far you run from them, childhood tragedies have a way of catching back up with you. So is true of elite scuba diver Veronica West, who's about to encounter something unexplainable at the bottom of the ocean, something that will draw her back to her home on Sinclair Island, Maine. There, she'll lead a dangerous rescue mission to the bottom of the Bay of Fundy, home of the world's largest tides, and something horrific down in the depths. Listen to Narcosis, the latest horror fiction show on Realm's premier horror channel, Undertow. Narcosis is available now. Search for Undertow or Narcosis wherever podcasts are served. Hi, listeners. I'm Vanessa Richardson, host of the podcast Serial Killers. Like many of you, I'm fascinated by the darker side of humanity. What causes someone to develop such deadly desires and why they decide to act on them? For the past six years, I've been able to explore these curiosities weekly, tapping into the mental states of the world's most notorious killers, examining their backgrounds and habits, searching for answers. If you haven't had a chance to check out our show, there's truly no better time to dive in. With hundreds of episodes to binge and new ones released weekly, Serial Killers is the perfect podcast for any avid true crime fan. Follow Serial Killers on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. 
Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. And on November 19th at about 11.30 p.m., another update was made to uh, to Bethany's Facebook post, and officers had done a thermal scan over the wooded areas and didn't find anything. And there was a search dog there who didn't find anything either. Um, but it was raining heavily, which made it a bit harder to search. And officers had posted flyers in homeless shelters and at the University Boulevard Alafaya Trail area. And they also sent officers to Vlad's Catholic Church to scope out the prayer garden. And between five and seven detectives were going door-to-door to canvas the neighborhood, which does sound thorough, at least um, at least that detail does anyway. Yeah, for sure. But then they eventually have his phone, his laptop. They're not able to get into his laptop, which really just needed to be, you know, like charged or, you know, like put the charger needed to stay in while they looked and the phone. And they have all these missed numbers, as you were saying before, and they have missed text messages. And so when Bethany and the family ask, did you guys call these numbers? And they said, no, we actually thought you did. So the one thing I always think in these stories is the family doesn't know what to do. Like you are fully leaning on experts and thinking everyone else knows what they're doing. So when they come into these things, it's so scary and they're so overwhelmed and they're grieving and they're processing and they're trying to help, but they don't know that the police aren't going to look at this evidence that they have and go through it. And I'm not knocking the Orange County Sheriff's Department, but it is something you'd think like, here's the last people that tried to contact him. Let's start there. And it just seems like an obvious thing to do, but I mean, I could be wrong. Well, it's also a bit of a double-sided set of instructions with the sheriff's office saying, don't put so much detail out there because it might hurt the investigation. And then saying, oh, I thought you did this. Like that shouldn't be part of the same conversation. Absolutely. No, that makes sense. And so according to News Nation, uh, the sheriff's office had received multiple reports by May 2022 that Vlad may have been spotted at a 7-Eleven convenience store and an Orange County unhoused encampment. But unfortunately, these tips led nowhere. And so there were more searches that happened in 2022. A search organization called QCUE conducted a more in-depth search of the woods with around 30 search dogs, but also unfortunately didn't find anything. And then in September of 2022, Steve was in the process of moving into a new rental home with his daughters when Hurricane Ian hit Florida. So just to complicate matters, you get a significant hurricane hitting the area. The apartment that he had shared with Vladek at the place at Alafaya flooded with about three feet of water, while other apartments in the complex had nearly six feet of water. So... Not not very good conditions if you want to continue to search around that immediate area. If you remember the Casey Anthony story, that was like a huge problem. We get tons of rain here um, and it's very wooded. These areas are very wooded. And so adding this hurricane in the middle of all this obviously doesn't help. And it ruins so much at the, you know, of their 
belongings. Everything's really ruined of Vladix except his Bible, his childhood passport, and a few articles of clothing. So they end up having to leave the place at Alafea and it's shut down. I drove by there um, a few weeks ago and it's just, I don't know, it's just sad and kind of eerie to um, drive through there knowing what happened. So finally, in late November of 2022, uh, the family learned that there were actually new detectives working on Vlad's case. And of course, they were very hopeful that with new investigators, there would be some new progress. And they wanted to start by asking for surveillance footage from businesses that are local to where Vladek frequented, especially a particular gas station, um, a Wawa, that Vladek had walked towards on the day that he left the Foxtail Coffee. At this point, it's been over a year, but they were still really hopeful that some more information could be uncovered. Like Melissa said, it just is very frustrating in cases like this when there is, it's almost like too little too late. You know, it's, they could have, they should have been doing these things, canvassing these businesses, requesting surveillance footage in the early days, you know, because a lot of businesses aren't going to still have surveillance footage from one year ago. It's not relevant to them. We can save everything in a cloud. It will never make sense to me that stuff is deleted after 30 days. We have the technology. It's very true. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's the way it is. So you're just kind of fighting an uphill battle trying to look at this case and get new evidence a year after the fact. It's just very, very difficult. So the family also um, hired a private investigator named Steve Fisher to help them pursue any additional leads that there could be. Several months went by in August of 2023, human remains were found at 1200 North Alafaya Trail in Orlando. This area wasn't particularly close to where Vladek went missing and the remains ended up not being his, but his family, of course, you know, that was just, they're always holding out hope that they're going to find some answers. I just can't imagine how devastating it is to be in this position that they're in and even finding out that like they found remains somewhere nearby. And is that my loved one? Even finding out that it's not, you're so relieved, but just the question is still remains, where is Vladek? And at this point, you know, 2023, three years later, he literally could be anywhere in the country. That's plenty of time to travel anywhere in the country. So anytime there's some announcement of a body remains found, sure, they have their Google alerts set for them, which just adds to the whole anxiety of it. And the family asks that we please share Vlad's missing persons poster. And uh, they stress that it it is a huge help. It's uh, it's the only way they're going to find their brother is by strangers resharing because eventually it will reach somebody who knows. And Brian Vladek Hassel is 5'8". He's white man, blondish brown hair and blue eyes. And if you see someone resembling Vlad, please discreetly take a picture and record when and where the sighting occurred. And please send that to the Orange County Sheriff's Office. And if you have any information that could lead to the discovery of Vlad, please reach out to the Orange County Sheriff's Office Missing Persons Unit at 407-254-7000. And the case number is 
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.